the credibility of this story has been attacked. Smith was often inaccurate and prejudiced in his statements, but that is far from saying that he deliberately mistook plain objects of sense or concocted a story having no foundation. And from the New International Encyclopedia, until Charles Dean attacked it, the story of Pocahontas's rescue of Smith in 1859, it was seldom questioned, but, owing largely to his criticisms, it soon became generally discredited. In recent years, however, there has been a tendency to retain it. It is in Smith's own writings, General History of Virginia and A True Relation, that we find the best and fullest accounts of these first days at Jamestown. He tells us not only what happened, but how the new country looked, what kinds of game abounded, how the Indians lived, and what his impressions of their customs were. Smith was ignorant of certain facts about the Indians with which we are now familiar. The curious ceremony which took place in the hut in the forest, just before Powhatan freed Smith and allowed him to return to Jamestown, was one he could not comprehend. Modern historians believe that it was probably the ceremony of adoption by which Smith was made one of the tribe. In many places in this story, I have not only followed closely Smith's own narrative of what occurred, but have made use of the very words in which he recorded the conversations. There may be readers of this story who will want to know what became of Pocahontas. She fell ill of a fever just as she was about to sail home for Virginia, and died in Gravesend, where she was buried. Her son, Thomas Rolfe, was educated in England, and went to Virginia when he was grown. His daughter Jane married John Bowling, and among their descendants have been many famous men and women, including Edith Bowling, Mrs. Galt, who married President Woodrow Wilson. The Princess Pocahontas, Chapter 1 The Return of the Warriors Through the White Forest came Opechancano and his braves, treading as silently as the flakes that fell about them. From their girdles hung fresh scalp-locks, which their silent Monacan owners did not miss. But Opechancano, on his way to Wirawokomoko to tell the Powhatan of the victory he had won over his enemies, did not feel quite sure that he had slain all the war-party against which he and his Pamunkey braves had gone forth. The unexpected snow, coming late in the winter, had been blown into their eyes by the wind so that they could not tell whether some of the Monacans had not succeeded in escaping their vengeance. Perhaps even yet so near to the wigwams of his brother's town, the enemy might have laid an ambush. Therefore, it behooved them to be on their guard, to look behind each tree for crouching figures, and to hearken with all their ears that not even a famished squirrel might crack a nut unless they could point out the bough on which it perched. Opechancano led the long thin line that threaded its way through the broad cutting between huge oaks, still bronze with last year's leaves. He held his head high, and to himself he framed the words of the song of triumph he meant to sing to the Powhatan, as the chief of the Powhatans was called. Then, suddenly before his face shot an arrow. At a shout from their leader, the long line swung itself to the right, and fifty arrows flew to the northward, the direction from which danger might be expected. 
Still there was silence. No outcry from an ambushed enemy, no sign of other human creatures. Opechancano consulted with his braves, whence had the arrow come, and even while they talked, another arrow from the right whizzed before his face. A bad archer, he grunted, who cannot hit me with two shots. Then pointing to a huge oak that forked halfway up, he commanded, Bring him to me. Two braves rushed forward to the tree, on which all eyes were now fixed. It was difficult to distinguish anything through the falling snow and the mass of its flakes that had gathered in the crotch. All was white there. Yet there was something white which moved, and the two braves on reaching the tree trunk yelled in delight and disdain. The white figure moved rapidly now. Swinging itself out on a branch and catching hold of a higher one, it seemed determined to retreat from its pursuers to the very summit of the tree. But the braves did not waste time in climbing after it. They leapt up in the air like panthers, caught the branch and swung it vigorously back and forth, so that the creature's feet slipped from under it and it fell into their outstretched arms. Not waiting even to investigate the white bundle of fur, the warriors, surrounded by their curious fellows, bore it to Opechancano and laid it on the ground before him. He knelt and lifted up the cap of rabbit skin with flapping ears that hid the face, then cried out in angry astonishment, Pocahontas! What meaneth this trick? And the white fur bundle rising to her feet laughed and laughed till the oldest and staidest warrior could not help smiling. But Opechancano did not smile. He was too angry. His dignity suffered at thus being made the sport of a child. He shook his niece, saying, What meaneth this, I ask? What meaneth this? Pocahontas then ceased laughing and answered, I wanted to see for myself how brave thou wert, uncle, and to know just how great warriors such as ye are act when an enemy is upon them. I am not so bad an archer, uncle. I would not shoot thee, so I aimed beyond thee. But it was such fun to sit up there in the tree and watch all of you halt so suddenly. Her explanation set most of the party laughing again. In truth, is she well named, they cried. Pocahontas Little Wanton. I have yet another name, she said to an old brave who stood nearest her. Knowest thou it not? Matoka, little snow feather. Always when the moons of Papano, winter, bring us snow, it calls me out to play. Come, snow feather, it cries. Come out and run with me and toss me up into the air. Her uncle had now recovered his calm and was about to start forward again. Turning to the two who had captured Pocahontas, he commanded... Since we have taken a prisoner, we will bear her to Powhatan for judgment and safekeeping. Had we shot back into the tree, she might have been killed. See that she doth not escape you. Then he stalked ahead through the forest, paying no further attention to Pocahontas. The young braves looked sheepishly at each other and at their captive, not at all relishing their duty. Opechancano was not to be disobeyed, yet it was no easy thing to hold a young maid against her will, 
and no force or even show of force might be used against the daughter of the mighty Wirawansa. Chieftain. Seeing their uncertainty, Pocahontas started to run to the left and they to pursue her. They came up with her before she had gone as far as three bows' lengths and led her back gently to their place in the line. Then she walked sedately along, as if unconscious of their presence, until they were off their guard, believing she had resigned herself to the situation, when she sprang off to the right and was again captured and led back. She knew that they dared not bind her, and she took advantage of this to lead them in truth a dance, first to one side and then to the other. Behind them, their comrades jeered and laughed each time the maiden ran away. The regular order of the warpath was now no longer preserved. They had advanced to a point where there was no longer any possibility of danger from hostile attack. Wirawokamoko lay now but a short distance away. Already the smoke from its lodges could be seen across the cleared fields that surrounded the village of Powhatan. The older warriors were walking in groups, talking over their deeds of valour performed that day, and praising those of several of the young braves who had fought for the first time. Pocahontas and her captors had now fallen further behind. Though well satisfied with the results of her enterprise and amusement, Pocahontas had no mind to be brought into her home as a captive, even though it be half in jest. Her father might not consider it so amusing, and, moreover, she did not like to be outwitted. She was so busy thinking that she forgot to continue her game and walked quietly ahead, keeping up with the longer strides of the warriors by occasional little runs forward. The braves, their own heads full of their first campaign, kept fingering...